Hi, I'm Joe Quirk. Welcome to the Blue Frontiers podcast about seasteading the environment, special economic zones, and innovation in science, technology, governance, and society itself. People can do almost everything better. That's why Blue Frontiers will provide innovators with sustainable, peaceful floating islands based on voluntary cooperation and deploy them around the world to help communities adapt to sea level change and promote emergent and self-organized ways of living free at sea. This is the Founders Series of the Blue Frontiers podcast. Today we have Igor Rijakov, my friend and managing director and co-founder of Blue Frontiers. Igor is a wildly successful entrepreneur, engineer, and inventor who together with his business partner employs about 600 people. But before Igor did any of that, he spent several years in an ashram, which is an Indian monastery. Igor is such a force of calm and wisdom, the rest of us call him the Oracle. You're going to enjoy this conversation, where Igor shares his vision of seasteading. Now, here's your host, the Sea Vangeles, Natalie Meza Garcia. Hello, seasteaders. I'm here with Igor Rajikov. He's a co-founder and managing director of Blue Frontiers. And he's been involved with the seasteading movement for many years. He's a self-taught inventor and he orbitates somehow around the field of engineering. He runs 12 engineering companies, but he's not himself an engineer. He's actually much cooler. So Igor, how do you describe yourself? Um, well, I'm, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, I would, uh, I would love to call myself inventor. So this is what <clears throat> I'm do I have been doing since maybe age of uh, six. So when I started my first notebook with writing my inventions. So I I remember my first invention was a, uh, a like a special robot that would go from one uh, one uh, mountain at moon to another, and so and going over this. Uh, craters and uh, yeah so so uh, yeah I, I still like to to do to to solve technical problems uh, whether in uh, that we have in in our company or or something that I am of or areas where I'm I'm passionate about like like seasteading um, so and the second uh, maybe side of, of me is uh, I uh, I'm also uh, very curious about inventing business models or looking for new products, and this uh, well helped us with my partner uh, to to run this Weber Comicanics group of companies, which now I think it's around maybe 16 companies, which is dealing with industrial equipment, with oh. robotics, with medical equipment, uh, with production and designing of tools, uh, and all sort of integration. Um, so yeah, this uh, entrepreneurship is uh, is another passion of uh, mine and uh, area which I'm very curious about. There is a lot of areas that I see can intersect with seasteading in the future. Yeah, this is uh, what uh, we are, I think, uh, are trying to do uh, uh, with the concept of a season uh, that we are building in French Polynesia. So this area. 
where different business models could be tested uh, in a friendly environment and uh, in the Blue Frontiers uh, itself. Uh, so we're uh, we're we're now discussing uh, floating agriculture. We're discussing different uh, business models that we could implement on floating platforms already in uh, in this in. Uh, on initial phase of our project, uh, and and also I, I see a lot of uh, people who are uh, with their ideas, with their startups, are being attracted to to what we are doing. What type of companies or startups do you think are going to be more attracted to become part of the Blue Frontiers ecosystem or from systems? Oh, it's uh, it depends on area and also on uh, uh, on our our uh, facilities there. So, uh, uh, well, uh, a lower hanging fruit uh, for us if we are in French Polynesia. So this would be uh, services uh, and businesses uh, focused on uh, tourists. So it's uh, it's so. Uh, it's 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 very easy because area area is so beautiful and these uh, lagoons are, are, are fantastic and also this is a part of uh, uh, of creating this first uh, communes of people uh, and so people uh, with alike ideas would come there and I wouldn't be surprised so that we would uh, that we would start to do uh, this project. Uh, uh, how to say, project-based tourism uh, pretty soon, maybe even before we will get uh, floating the platforms. So because uh, French Polynesian government uh, is uh, likely to help us to to to, to get uh, land on one of islands where we'd, we would be able to uh, to do something even before we, we get floating uh, islands. A base camp, a land, a land base camp. You mean? Yes, exactly, exactly. Can you go? I already see. I already see this this <laughs> base camp. You know, middle of nowhere, beautiful, beautiful sea, palms, lagoon, and uh, maybe some installation, some artistic installation, something what we 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 see at uh, Burning Man or or some. Yeah, uh, artistic, uh, very simple but beautiful, uh, organic uh, sh shapes, domes, uh, where people would uh, uh, would already start to to experiment with uh, technologies on water purification, on clean energy, on waste processing, on uh, agriculture. So we, we we don't really need to have floating islands to start to develop this um, these technologies, and we we already well. I think have almost everything to to start this. What are those technologies that attract you the most about system, or what was what attracted you to system in the first place? Do you remember your first encounter? Uh, yes, uh, I, I I remember this uh, very well. It's uh, it's happened uh, about twelve years ago in Shanghai, and uh, I was. Uh, Stand, standing uh, at um, at one of the towers there, it was at a tower of a modern art museum. Drinking coffee, it was there was cafeteria <laughs> nearby. Looking at this uh, fantastic uh, new buildings around uh, from this terrace, 
and suddenly I got this picture where I, I saw a similar, very uh, well, innovative, beautiful uh, structures, but uh, floating in, uh, in in oceans. And and this this idea really startled me. I, I and since that time, I just keep thinking about this. I was doing some designs and uh, and start to to learn about shipbuilding. I started to. Uh, just to uh, to learn about uh, these concrete technologies and and uh, uh, after a few years ago uh, speaking of of this uh, history part uh, on live journal i found a blog of patrick friedman mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so i it was probably the first person i i, I found who uh, was thinking that all well, this idea who had similar ideas uh, and uh, uh, we start. Uh, we exchange some emails, and I think uh, maybe one or two years later, uh, Patry started the Seasteading Institute. Oh wow! So you were involved since the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this idea, I believe, came in two thousand five, two thousand six, uh, in in Shanghai, and uh, and la- later, uh, yeah, I, I got this contact. And uh, I, I went, uh, I also remember in 2009, I went to this first uh, Sisterin conference in uh, San Francisco. <laughs> wow. What do you remember from it? Um, well, I remember I, I was uh, very impressed uh, by uh, Patry, uh, by his uh, talk, uh, and, and, and also by how many people... Uh, 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 God, how many people got there, and, and the uh, range of uh, these ideas, and I, and I think that during that week, I, I genuinely start to believe that well, this is reality, and very soon, so we will get uh, first prototypes, and uh, yeah, it's I, I got a fuel for creativity and. <laughs> it, it was significant. It, it was very significant uh, event for me. And here you are. Um, I know that last week you went to a conference in the Netherlands called Floating Futures. Yeah, this this was uh, uh, also an extremely interesting event and uh, for me quite a unique uh, because it was, again, it was focused on uh, what we call, uh, in our community, what we call seasteading. So, and uh, uh, there we... uh, uh, I saw uh, not a uh, so I, I, I saw professionals from marine industry, uh, government, uh, governmental officials, uh, shipbuilders, uh, people from uh, uh, this some registries. Uh, so a lot of professionals who are uh, already been working, who are very deep into all sort of projects, and and this width of these projects is incredible. So it was com- one company. Uh, came there with a project of a floating airport, and uh, wow. oh, this, uh, and this is not just a pie in the sky. So this is a real project that they are discussing. Real company. Another uh, uh, interesting uh, encounter was uh, this uh, gentleman uh, from Japanese, uh, very large uh, Shimizu Corporation, and. Uh, um, so this is a company which is uh, offering um, now a 
concept uh, which is well uh, designed of a one kilometer floating uh, high scraper and uh, it's a, it's a very elaborated uh, concept uh, oh. and uh, uh, so and, and there are many other other, other uh, uh, projects like that so another uh, another so there was also a presentation uh, from blue 21 from our uh, friends uh, uh, and partners uh, and Karina Chapevska, she she had a, also very interesting talk about uh, their work uh, and uh, her view on uh, the future of uh, on the on the floating future. Uh, also, I, I uh, what I remember is that there was also a company uh, with a floating farm, uh, so they presented this concept. A uh, lot of interesting uh, meetings, and uh, I and I hope that maybe within a year or two we would able to to make uh, uh, finally would able to make uh, another conference with uh, three four hundred people plus in Venice, because I believe this is one of the best place to 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 run the sustaining conference. Yes, especially now that the pilot project for seasteading is in French Polynesia, which has around 118 islands, and Venice also has it, has the same number. Yeah, how is it possible? Such a coincidence. <laughs> uh huh. And Venice was founded by people who were also trying to push the barrier of what could be done. So they are also very. There are also social similarities between Venice and seasteading. But you mentioned floating farms, and I heard you once talking about how could we have some floating farms also near the seasteading, uh, where it was cylindric. I don't know if you remember. You draw a cylindric floating farm with a little robot in the middle that was the one in charge of inspecting the crops. Can you share that really cool idea with everybody who's listening to us, please? Uh, well, uh, oh, as, as I said before, so we're, uh, uh, I have been involved in, uh, with robots for the last uh, maybe eight years. And uh, I, I think in agriculture, uh, we're st still to this moment, we have one of the lowest... Uh, uh, productivity per person, and uh, and also conditions in uh, where uh, conditions of work are not very comfortable, and more and more uh, automation is coming there. And I think the ultimate automation with robots that would be doing everything in in these greenhouses, uh, it's already feasible. It's uh, it's already feasible, and it's I think it's just a matter of uh, a year or two be, be, before this this would happen, and there are a lot of uh, advantages uh, to, to to this. First of all, uh, it's known that uh, productivity of a crop could uh, grow more than twenty percent if uh, uh, if greenhouse would be filled with uh, CO two. Okay. So, and uh, and of course, uh, any human worker would uh, would not be able to to sustain such uh, atmosphere. Yes. It would be 
it would be dangerous uh, and uh, for uh, human workers to, to go inside, so it's necessary to ventilate everything, to, to leave this uh, CO2 away and refill it back. But robots, they have no problem, so they would be able to work uh, uh, in this unfriend, in inhuman uh, atmosphere. But there is another another part um, uh, is that uh, we uh, we tend to build uh, greenhouses as uh, kind of anthropomorphic that would be suitable for humans to work comfortably, but. Uh, to work there, so they should be stable, they should be, of course, safe, they, uh, they should be high enough, And but for for um, most of the crops, it's not necessary to, I mean, it's the skate is not important, so, and we could save a lot if we would make uh, these greenhouses uh, comfortable just for robots alone, that are not very picky about the environment. <laughs> So, and in this way, we could uh, we could make possible this uh, floating greenhouses. And uh, so, yeah, these greenhouses might be uh, might be uh, how to say wobbly, so they wouldn't be maybe comfortable for human workers. But for for robots, it's okay. And the the project that we dis- discussed uh, 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 and we have been discussing is uh, maybe to go as far as to uh, create in, inflatable uh, greenhouses, so this uh, inflatable structures, and fill them with CO2, and let uh, uh, plants to convert CO2 into food and oxygen. So in this way, we could um, we could uh, scale up uh, this uh, this greenhouses. We could save a lot of energy because also this, this uh, there is a huge synergy between. Uh, floating uh, greenhouses and ocean because water would cool down uh, these greenhouses. Yes. And this is a very important uh, expense for greenhouses is to cooling down them. Um, So uh, it's it's very, 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 very good um, combination. And there is no uh, lack of space. So this, uh, we, we do, and I believe we don't need vertical farms in ocean because ocean is so big, why we need to, 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 to go up? We can just uh, spread uh, over the surface uh, in, in ocean. That's true. Because the whole concept of vertical farm comes from the lack of urban space. Yeah, this urban farming, which is a great concept uh, yeah. to shorten uh, the distance between End user and uh, producer. Yes. Um, yeah. This is. Uh, I, I would. I would see this uh, uh, vertical farms, but uh, besides that, uh, well, ocean is there, and if we really want to produce a lot of food to to stop uh, hunger, uh, to be able to um, to bring food very close to to areas. Uh, like in Africa, so yeah, maybe, maybe ocean is much better uh, area than even land-based farms. Yes. Also, another use for the water's capacity to cool is floating data centers. You've also mentioned floating data centers in the past. Yeah, exactly. So uh, floating, uh, well, already this existing uh, data centers in uh, developed countries, they they could consume uh, two or up to three percent. And uh, there was a tendency 
uh, of uh, to of this percentage to grow up. So and and this and we're talking about huge huge uh, uh, capacities, uh, energy capacities uh, that eventually uh, become heat. And and if it's uh, and also if it's powered by coils, so it's it's uh, uh, the byproduct is a lot of uh, CO2, lot lot of uh, uh, exhaust. Uh, so and uh, yeah, floating data centers is uh, it's like uh, greenhouses, uh, half uh, almost something like a half of. Uh, energy that uh, that we feed into uh, online data centers goes into cooling yeah. Yeah. so and uh, in water if we put them in in ocean well this this problem uh, would be solved and uh, another in very interesting uh, I think opportunity is to is to use uh, is, uh, is to uh, take energy straight from ocean. Like in French Polynesia, for example, where <clears throat> uh, we start our project, if you just go maybe 800 uh, meters or one and a half kilometer down there, the water temperature would be maybe just uh, six, four, six degrees uh, above freezing temperatures. And above, it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's very warm. Wow. And, this, and this huge uh, temperature gradient uh, is uh, is and this huge thermal mass of water underneath and uh, uh, atop uh, is is a source of almost unlimited energy. So we don't even need to 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 talk about this floating solar farms, which is another possibility. And this is also a still untapped possibility because there are there are still in even to this moment we don't see many solar farms in ocean and. Uh, it's very likely that we're at the break-even point when suddenly we will see a lot of projects like that. Yes, I believe so too. I think so too. Yes. What? How about AI? What uses or how do you see AI playing a role on testing and floating structures? Well, I guess that uh, very soon we will see AI almost everywhere. And uh, it's yeah we, we cannot uh, avoid this. Uh, uh, but there there is one area uh, in uh, where I think I guess AI uh, would be extremely uh, helpful uh, is uh, application of AI in uh, uh, sharing economy. It's yes. because uh, well if if we are uh, if we're in a modern city so we can we can get anything very pretty soon by Amazon or going into one of the malls uh, but in uh, if we're in a remote island uh, like Tahiti or somewhere and we need something so we something which is not immediately available so we need to wait a lot of uh, a yes. uh, lot of days, uh, at least a lot of hours to get it delivered, and it wouldn't be cheap to, to get it delivered. And I think for islands, uh, it's, it's, it's very important to, uh, to, to work on uh, development of uh, sharing economy uh, models, businesses, concepts. And uh, if we look at a uh, floating village, because we are not building yet uh, floating city, it's too early to say, but if we have uh, a community of two, three, four hundred people, 
I don't think that uh, all uh, like each uh, of these 200, 300 people, uh, each of us needs to to have uh, to buy one electrical drill that we would probably use once or twice a year. So it just makes no no sense. So we we need to organize this uh, sharing of uh, tools of uh, spare parts because uh, it's it just makes no sense to. In general, it's it's, uh, it's getting less and less. It ma- makes no sense to own things uh, yes. now and in coming years. So we, we, we don't really need things. We we need use. Uh, we need results of work of these things. Yes. And uh, AI, I think, could anticipate needs of people and uh, anticipate when. Uh, so how to share? How to share some uh, resources? How to evaluate? Uh, each one's input and to do some kind of uh, yeah man- management and to and to be very uh, and and to do this in the most efficient anticipating matter and uh, and I, I guess uh, we would see a lot of lot of uh, models also governance models uh, based on uh, optimization when AI would work with uh, complex systems that you are specialist in. Yes, no, and also uh, there have been, well, <laughs> there have been many things written about what would happen if we had a robot or an AI as a politician, because just like we have given some form of um, legal personhood to natural, to some, okay, to like two, <laughs> two natural systems, a river and and, and a forest, they have some people some people have also said okay eventually as we anthropomorphize more ai and as we make it more part of our lives we might have to consider the possibility to also give robots or ai some form of legal personhood and in the nation state based world in which we live if ai if you have legal personhood then in theory you can become a governor or a politician. So mm-hmm. yes, it is a very fascinating subject to think um, what can happen. And some people say, no, you you need a human component because uh, no matter how well you optimize, when you when you have a complex system, there is not such thing as an optimal. So you need some some in- human input to determine ethical issues, for example. Uh, what do you think? Uh, well, uh, this, this of course depends on, on application and, uh, and also on, uh, uh, I, I guess stakeholders and their, uh, uh, voluntary agreement with some conditions and, uh, some people would uh, maybe would not agree to to some conditions or some uh, services uh, or, or or terms of use of some services that would involve AI, because uh, AI to, to to make AI systems uh, efficient, uh, one uh, they would need transparency, and to make them really efficient, they would need I guess full transparency. And not not all people would. Uh, would agree to that. Yeah. Uh, there are probably some solutions. Maybe I, I could imagine, for example, that uh, if I, for example, if 
let's say myself or you would not like to disclose everything about your habits, uh, what 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 you like to do, what what you like to buy, etc. So maybe you would have uh, your own AI agent that would uh, uh, book timing in. Uh, some timing in, in schedules of other people that would uh, buy some stuff for you and in the most undisclosed way. So, so they're, they're, they're probably going to be very interesting time with uh, uh, with this AI. Uh, what one uh, I, I want to, to share one uh, thing that I'm kind of puzzled with uh, with AI is that. Uh, uh, these systems could become actually so good that we would just agree on uh, all this uh, tiny text on all conditions and we would able, you know, just to drop all information and we would experience like uh, that AIs would arrange, like if we would give AI uh, full control over our schedule. So AI would, and uh, schedules and all, if our friends also would give this control this AI could do uh, amazing uh, work. So we would meet right people, right times. So we, so we, would, we would be just in uh, right uh, like areas where, where people discussing topics that are interesting for us. We would be, uh, AI would determine what people of interest we should meet on in uh, during our flight or during our shared taxi drive. And so everything starts to become like magic. But there is a danger that uh, that we would just would not able to function without this. So we would, you know, we would just have uh, as this overlord, which would do everything super efficient. It would be so good, but you cannot leave this space because if you would leave it, suddenly you you are you are just you have you are outside of uh, of amazing uh, um, this magical world of super efficiency of lot of fun of uh, your, uh, how to say, your needs and your wish being anticipated. And so, and this, and I'm not sure that this, this would be for, uh, for humanity, this uh, kind of environment, if it would be the optimum model of uh, functioning. Maybe yes, maybe no. And, and uh, I, and I, I would be really, uh, afraid to think if this AI would would have some agenda like self-inflicted or maybe uh, embedded inside like this society need to function but maybe this society needs to become better controlled or this society needs to become this particular society needs to become more should become much better at uh, I don't know at uh, defense activity or on that so lot of implications it could it could be heaven it could be hell uh, or something in between yeah so uh Nori, it doesn't even have to be so extreme have you heard of the red paper clip um it's not a paradox okay let's call it paradox in ai where there is an ai that has the only task of creating red paper clips so, oh, sorry, of create, creating? Red paper clips. So oh, all right, okay, yes. That's all it cares about. It doesn't have any political goals. It doesn't have any single inclination. It just wants to make red paper clips. 
So what if it sees humans as an impediment of maximizing the number of paper clips it can do? Because it doesn't have any other intrinsic guidance, just the ones that it's programming to it, then it might not have the capacity to distinguish. So it doesn't even need to be a, um, a scenario of an agenda. It can be just part of a simple programming. But I was thinking when you were mentioning um, your unsolved puzzle about AI, that by then we might not be humans, but post-humans and transhumans. So maybe this world where AI mediates everything uh, is a world where it's the evolution of what we have today with the internet. And we are not seeing as an in the internet as a tool that has fully killed our social relations, not yet at least. It's simply embedding to our daily lives. So maybe if it's something that would take place today in the type of humans that we are, it would be more disruptive. But perhaps by then it would be more better integrated. How do, where do you stand in terms of the pessimism of technology or, or a more optimism perspective? Because, well, you're building systems. That's very optimistic. Uh, yes, uh, it's 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 very optimistic, and but in general, I'm uh, I, I guess if uh, we wouldn't kill each other with uh, technologies or with presence of technologies or without technologies, I think we otherwise we would have a very bright future. It's uh, so we have such a huge advances in uh, uh, with poverty. With it's. Uh, uh, also with uh, this uh, hygiene uh, introduction in area in so many societies that and that push them out of poverty there is um, ed education technologies uh, they uh, they so that uh, it's it's amazing i think we have such amazing progress in uh, in areas uh, of health longevity, general longevity, and uh, so there is no reason to be too afraid technologies. Of course, there, there are some some extremes, but uh, it's more about application of technologies. And uh, uh, players from politicians, from extremists, uh, and. Uh, so it's again like uh, about the knife. So the, the knife could be used to, to uh, cut bread or to or to to make harm. So hopefully, but so it has nothing to do with uh, with uh, um, knife making t technologies. It makes makes to it, it it has to do with intentions of uh, people or groups of people uh, that are using these technologies. That's true. I like a lot that example. I had never heard of it. The knife. Mm, it made me think of the word intention made me think of how you are called within the team of Blue Frontiers, which is the Oracle. <laughs> Why are you called the Oracle of Blue Frontiers? Uh, well, I, I don't know. Maybe I, because I'm coming with so many crazy ideas that people 
just very politely uh, calling me Oracle. Politely, <laughs> yes. So within Blue Frontiers, you are managing a project called Blue Frontiers Global. And it's a project that will try to be, what is Blue Frontiers Global? Well, uh, we, we start to, to call it, uh, first, first uh, the idea was, uh, 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 we, we got idea of uh, a massive seasteading uh, movement, mm -hmm. uh, but <clears throat> uh, our co-founders uh, and volunteers didn't like the abbreviation of this MSM. <laughs> so... Okay, MSM. Uh, I was not aware of that. So okay. So we, then we, st I think you suggested to call it global systemic movement, uh, and uh, so uh, and now we call it Blue Frontiers Global. So this is a uh, uh, this is idea of uh, of a movement of organization of uh, people that that uh, that and this. Uh, movement would cover areas which are much bigger than uh, uh, that this project, uh, that pro pro this project in French Polynesia and projects that uh, Blue Frontiers uh, as a company is doing right now. Because we have such uh, amazing uh, uh, team, uh, community of uh, thinkers, of uh, uh, professionals who are working in uh, in different groups and uh, yeah. attacking so many problems, and they could contribute to to not only to Blue Frontiers but so to uh, to non-profit uh, organizations. To they could uh, they could do much more. So they have much bigger potential that we could accommodate uh, within this. Uh, uh, project of within company of Blue Frontiers. And, and also we realize that uh, there, there are several areas um, that uh, are very important and, uh, and we cannot uh, properly address them in, at uh, Blue Frontiers, but our volunteers uh, and also founders are very passionate about them. So namely this is uh, environment. And uh, so there are there are a lot of um, uh, very interesting and important parts uh, if we talk about living on water, living in oceans. Yeah. So there are uh, important topics uh, about environment. So how, how we could uh, uh, live in harmony with environment. Uh, uh, what would be uh, our strategy for for uh, for example, living in lagoons. So, how we could uh, enhance uh, marine life in these lagoons? Because, of course, we would like to to be uh, to be not to to, uh, to be not source of problem, but actually to be a solution. And and this is what we've been discussing about restorative uh, activities of our uh, floating platforms. So, uh, this Blue Frontiers Global is. Uh, uh, is our attempt to help people, companies, startups to uh, to be better connected between each other and to actually to serve them, to serve all uh, uh, all 
interested, concerned people to find own uh, space within this exciting community of people. And because there's, we, uh, it's so amazing how many interesting people, interesting projects are uh, bubbling in, uh, in inside of our uh, meetups and our online discussions. And uh, yeah, it's uh, so. This is an we see this as a non-profit uh, international organization that would grow by local chapters in uh, in different countries. So that would run a lot of meetups, uh, and uh, these meetups would be uh, crystallization points for local communities. And later in these local communities, uh, people would do their own projects. They would. Uh, uh, maybe start start to to attack a particular project. Maybe they would start some startups, uh, or or they would uh, team up together to create own seastead uh, that they would uh, timeshare, and this state would be in French Polynesia or in Indian Ocean. And what would be the role of Blue Frontiers in Blue Frontiers Global? Uh, well, uh, I guess uh, Blue Frontiers, uh, if we would be successful, uh, we would, uh, through our research and development, uh, within next uh, years, we would, um, we would uh, become producers, uh, well, designers and producers, or maybe even mass producers of uh, platforms that would be affordable, would be safe, seaworthy, modular uh, and uh, on these platforms uh, people communities would able to establish uh, sustainable self-sufficient uh, houses villages uh, and ultimately islands and so on and so on uh, you're, you're the last founder of the founder series of the blue frontiers podcast and some, I know that some people have been wondering about the relation between Blue Frontiers and the Sistering Institute and what has happened within Blue Frontiers since the signature of the Memorandum of Understanding. So why don't we use this as a chance for us to tell every one of our listeners all the research that has been taking place in the working groups in Blue Frontiers in the last perhaps 10 months? Yeah, I think uh, this active uh, period is yeah about ten ten months. Yeah, about about so. Uh, so about uh, relationships with uh, the Sisterin Institute. I, I'm one of uh, an ambassadors of the Sisterin Institute. I I'm very interested in uh, in uh, all this. Uh, concepts that uh, the Sisterin Institute uh, has been developing and uh, uh, I'm very curious and I really wish to see this uh, governance experimentation that uh, the Sisterin Institute is about. And uh, uh, I, I guess uh, Blue Frontiers uh, is, uh, is really... A, uh, well, uh, a baby uh, or spin-off of the Sisterin Institute in a sense that we are now 
practically realizing the concept. We are working to make it happen, to create a space, maybe in the middle of nowhere, maybe not, uh, where people would, would be able to experiment with uh, governance and uh, and in uh, and would able in a very practical way to test this or that concepts and uh, uh, so we are working on creation creation of uh, this pl uh, this platforms for all these activities uh, for individuals for companies uh, as uh, maybe uh, you already uh, it was already been discussed uh, during previous uh, podcasts this concept of that we are working now in French Polynesia on special economic zone which we call C zone uh, which would be very friendly for startups and also for founders of uh, startups uh, to, to 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 do their projects and uh, um, coming back to your uh, question about working groups uh, it's uh, it was actually I, I didn't expect the, that this would uh, that uh, I didn't expect last year uh, that we would get so many uh, dedicated uh, and uh, great people to 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 self-organize themselves uh, into the different working groups and uh, I, I remember that uh, this already started during our uh, Tahiti conference. So people start to discuss uh, ideas. And then after this conference, people, would con uh, people continue to discuss them online. Uh, and then through this online uh, meet meetings, uh, online groups, uh, they were working in, uh, uh, in focused working groups. And so this, and there was uh yeah I just mentioned these groups uh, so one was uh was about uh a pro production sustainable production of uh, potable water and sustainable production of energy and uh, this group uh has been uh looking and uh exploring different ways to and state-of-the-art uh, technologies to, to uh, produce this most two most important uh, say substances or components of uh, self-sufficient uh, life <clears throat> and and, uh, and just for, 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 well, for the record I would say so uh, of course we we realized uh, that if we if we have energy we can actually get anything uh, in the middle of nowhere so if we have enough energy we can get water if we have energy and water we can uh, get enough uh, green produce and uh, protein so and uh, so also also there are technologies to produce concrete out of uh, magnesium based concrete out of uh, ocean water if we have enough energy so there are so many things we can get and energy in and to and it's really great that also every quarter, or like every few months, we see that cost of solar panels dropping down. It means that uh, <clears throat> our ability to live sustainably uh, our, uh, and self-sufficiently in ocean is uh, it's becoming more and more feasible for, for, for normal people, for uh, very normal households.
So, uh, okay, and speaking of energy, uh, so there was a, another group which uh, has been doing very interesting uh, work is about food, so food production. And uh, uh, we, I think we're so lucky with people there who have hands-on experience yes. on aquaculture, on hydroponics, and uh, also on uh, waste processing of creating biogas. Bio Mm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this is an, an, another area which is very important for us and actually it's, just, I think, a part of our mission is to to create uh, floating uh, islands that would process their own waste. Yes. Work is to how to, uh, so how to process our waste and how to get energy out of this, how to get uh, necessary uh, nutrients out of waste, how to become, uh, how to sustain zero emissions on our platforms, how to, uh, how not to let even soap water to, to get into lagoons. And it's a very, very interesting areas, very interesting um, uh, approach that been developed inside this uh, uh, working groups. Then another group uh, uh, was working on information technologies, how to, how to make uh, these platforms connected, uh, connected to internet. How, how uh, what are, would be the possibilities of uh, uh, running uh, data centers on uh, on platforms? So this in in, in other area, uh, I. Uh, uh, I uh, initiated uh, business development working groups uh, that was uh, working uh, and exploring uh, business opportunities. So what, uh, what are the businesses that uh, would be feasible there? So what are the, again, low-hanging fruits in terms of uh, businesses and uh, uh, what uh, uh, business concepts could be uh, 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 what would be opportunities in in future? So, how to create an ecosystem of uh, businesses on, uh, all, on already on these first uh, platforms? Uh, so, what, what what other working groups did, did I miss? Uh, there was an engineering design and engineering. Oh, design and engineering exactly. Yes, this is uh, this is another. A working group which is uh, we, uh, which create cre created so it was led uh, uh, by Blue Twenty One and uh, uh, so the resu result uh, uh, of uh, of this working group was uh, this concept that you would see at www.bluefrontiers.com uh, www so this. Uh, uh, and semicircle uh, concept uh, like this floating hills uh, that you could that, that our current model uh, of uh, our preliminary concept of uh, flo floating uh, community in French Polynesian. There right. is also a blockchain group, and the result of that group is RC coin. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. This week, finally, our logo and the the place to put your email if you're listening to us right now, stop the podcast, 
go to the website and put your email there to start the whitelisting process and then come back to the pro to the podcast. So yes, there was also a blockchain group. Um, so within the Blue Frontiers Global, will there will these working groups remain or what will be the new working groups? How about think tanks? Because I've also heard you talking about working group think tanks, skills-based projects or single pe single person projects, um, Blue Frontiers ambassadors. What is the whole panorama and diversity of possibilities that people will have with Blue Frontiers Global to get involved? Uh, there is one, one of the reasons why Blue Frontiers Global uh, 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 be, uh, be, um, was initiated is because we realized that uh, these working groups are becoming less and less effective and difficult to, uh, to manage and to make even meetings effective when they're becoming too large. And we also realized that uh this uh 50 60 people uh is a maximum that we could accommodate because otherwise uh, like you know that uh, the bigger is a meeting uh in in a company or in, uh, in any institution less uh, effective and efficient it is so and this is uh, like in many in many companies um, they found uh, that uh, the optimum uh, size of a project group is uh, seven, eight, uh, nine, ten people, not more. So, in, like in Amazon, they have this two pizza rule. So, so this uh, project team <laughs> should not be uh, bigger uh, than uh, <laughs> uh, than the amount of people that would be fed with two with just two pizzas. Wow, <laughs> and. Um, so uh, for 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 uh, and then we, uh, we when we start to discuss uh, we realize that yeah project uh, project teams they should be lean small very focused but uh, and they, and they also should be project focused. However, there is also a, a utility in creating think tanks. This is what how we are going to call this working groups in uh, in uh, Blue Frontiers Global is uh, our idea is to create uh, think tanks and to create them for people to to focus on it on a, some domain like for example to focus on domain of uh, uh, floating precise professionals people who are interested so they would be communicating they would be uh, building up a knowledge base of uh, companies of people of latest developments uh, and uh, hopefully they also would be source of projects of ideas uh, they would be also they would act as advisors to uh, project project teams and uh, they could be bigger they, they if they become if they would become too big so maybe they also could uh, could be split into more focused uh, uh, think tanks, and uh, uh, they would so they would so they would be uh, uh, they would have a slight uh, they would have different different mode of uh, operations and uh, 
uh, project teams. And of course, there would be this uh, revolving door policy bet uh, between all uh, all these teams, and the, so some and people, of course, they could could be part of different think tanks, and they could be part of different pr projects. Uh, and uh, I. I, I, I guess this, at this stage, this would be the um, uh, well, the, the, the best structure for to if we are, if we are speaking about uh, several hundreds people, or uh, I could anticipate uh, that uh, the community this year would start to grow uh, very fast, uh, and we could see this from uh, application process on on our website. Yes, and it was impressive because every meeting, the average of the meeting, the all hands meeting we had was 35. So 35 people every single time were there throughout the whole weeks. That was amazing. It's a big achievement. And we are now that we are closer to the ICO launching date and closer to everything that is happening in French Polynesia. We are expecting a growth in the number of volunteers. So I, I see why you are thinking of Blue Frontiers very well. What can someone do if they want to get involved? Oh, first of all, uh, I think uh, first is uh, go online, uh, register oneself, and uh, then Get yourself familiar what with uh, what all this, what seasteading is about, what uh, Blue Frontiers is about. I would strongly recommend uh, try to get your hands on uh, Joe Queer book called the Seasteading. Yeah. Uh, so this is a book by uh, Joe and Patrick Friedman. I should have it. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's uh, so right, oh, right. Say, is what did what did you say? So, and this is a book. It's a perfect introduction uh, to seasteading. Oh, I mean, I, I have something written by by Joe. It's oh, very good okay. drawing fish. I so soon we are going to have a landing page for Blue Frontiers Global, right? Yeah, we're, we're going to have a landing page. And uh, so for, and I think the, the main uh, task for, for people who are considering your, uh, themselves uh, join, joining Blue Frontiers Global is to, is to learn about what, what we do and, and also think of uh, what, what you're, you're personally curious about and, uh, if um, and to share well expectations or projects uh, you would like to join or to uh, maybe to offer uh, maybe you need some help in uh, ocean seasteading related uh, uh, areas and so if we could could be helpful somehow so we would be very interested to help to to, to get uh, into house uh, cooperation. So someone would also be able to bring their own project to Blue Frontiers for Blue Frontiers uh, approval or evaluation or um, to work with it? 
Well, I, I, I believe that uh, Blue Frontier's global uh, success depends on values that uh, we, we would create for members. It's, uh, uh, and I, I wish that we would be an organization that is uh, bringing uh, value to all members and uh, uh, by connecting them, by uh, providing them access to our contacts, to our know-hows, to our database of technologies and uh, uh, so uh, being inside inside of this uh, vibrant uh, community well people would, would would just be much better off with with the idea with the with their projects and also as nick says he's impressed by the amount of good ideas that people have so opening Blue Frontiers to the world, which is what Blue Frontiers Global is, is a way of bringing together in one same place, in one same platform, all the craft that goes behind it. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, one thing that we have no deficiency is amount of ideas. And uh, uh, from uh, what we, we have at, Blue Front, uh, at, at this uh, business development profit uh, uh, business development uh, working groups, I think some of these ideas are very potent and uh, might result in uh, uh, very successful startups. Yeah. Maybe small businesses, but maybe uh, also global businesses. And uh, people who would be, well, join, joining uh, these uh, working groups inside uh, think tanks or project groups, so they, 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 they might find themselves inside of very interesting and... Uh, uh, how to say, promising uh, startups or, or groups. I can testify that, yes. So how about people who want to do other type of things like organizing a meetup? Blue Frontiers will endorse somehow or how will Blue Frontiers get these people involved? Is there an ambassadorship program like with T TSI or what are you thinking among those lines? Hmm. Uh, well, I, uh, myself and I, I think ma many uh, uh, volunteers uh, of uh, the System Institute and Blue Frontiers, they, they already found that it's such a delight to go to some new city and then to meet another person who is interested in seasteading or or is working on some system-related, ocean-related, uh, or sust uh, sustainable technologies-related uh, project. Someone who with whom we've been uh, talking or online for this last months, months or a year. So this it's really delightful, and uh, 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 I, I guess that we, we, uh, that GSM could. Uh, create more uh, of this of this kind of delight by uh, helping people to organize uh, locally, and uh, this is, would be people of also of all walks of life. So there, there would be students, researchers, businessmen, uh, uh, lawyers, at, uh, and uh, investors, and and I I'm sure that. Uh, after these communities would grow uh, bigger, they, they, they would be also 
they would start to create own projects. I think we already discussed this. And so, because there would be people with ideas, there would be some people with means, and uh, yeah, maybe they would come up with uh, some projects that they would uh, start to run locally, and maybe some startups. And uh, and it would. And if this would happen, I think. Uh, uh, a part of a mission of GSM uh, of uh, Blue Frontiers Global Mission would be uh, fulfilled. So this way we, we created something new by uh, meeting people. So this local chapters, yeah, let's call them local chapters, uh, would be a very uh, important part and, uh, uh, and maybe I would, if there is, uh, uh, if... Uh, you are listening to this podcast and uh, you are wondering if there is uh, any sustaining activity in your place. I would suggest go to Meetup, check if there is anything uh, being initiated by Blue Frontiers uh, or, this is, or the sustaining institute in your area. And if it's not, I would suggest send us a note, uh, suggest to organize Meetup. We would take care of... Uh, uh, organizing this through meetup.com and uh, maybe we would even help with sending someone who would uh, yeah, introduce uh, would introduce uh, blue frontiers and uh, from this very first step uh, you would uh, able to initiate sustaining community uh, and uh, a local chapter of blue frontiers global yes and please do, <laughs> do get in touch. Well, Igor, I think I'm going to let you go now so that you can carry on with your busy day, busy night. But thank you very much for being the last guest of the Founder Series. Series, it worth the wait. Thank you, Natalie. Um... I wish you to have a great Friday evening and uh, I suggest that may maybe we would try to, to make another podcast, maybe also with uh, uh, someone of our engineering or architect friends and maybe we, we could discuss uh, technical parts more in detail and uh, because there are so many interesting concepts that would uh, would be probably interesting to to hear it for engineers on uh, li for listeners who are from engineering or shipbuilding uh, and uh, there are s uh, several areas that I'm very passionate about so I'm looking forward for uh, for more discussions on uh, on engineering let's do so we will have here professor Wong one which I know you admire a lot Yes. You'll be one, but definitely. I will be happy to have you again here, of course. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. Thanks for joining us on the Blue Frontiers podcast. To learn more about our work and find out how you can support the project, visit blue-frontiers.com or visit our social channels. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Blue Frontiers, or shoot us a note via our website. If you learned something and enjoyed the show, tell a friend or leave us a positive review on iTunes or wherever you're listening.
don't forget to subscribe to our show and remember to join us for the next episode. See you next time. Remember that you can also watch the video of this podcast looking for Blue Frontiers podcast on YouTube.